Red Sox fans, here are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. Hello everyone and thanks again for joining us. Not a lot of Red Sox developments in the 48 hours since our previous episode. So tonight we're going to dive into the rivalry a little bit. I am joined by a special guest, Emily Nyman, who hosts the Breaking Balls podcast, which is available everywhere, just just like this one, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and like I said, pretty much everywhere. Thanks for joining me, Emily. How are you? Thanks for having me. Great. Happy to be here, even though it's Red Sox Nation, albeit electronically. Did you bring your fighting gloves? I did. I, I made sure to wear, I had a different shirt on. I was like, wait, let me put on something that says Yankees on it. I'm glad I did. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm representing as well in a couple of ways, but uh, yeah. So anyway, this will be, I'm, I'm not gonna, uh, we're not gonna tee off on each other on this episode. I'm just going to kind of take your temperature of uh, what's going on, on your side of the spectrum. So before we get into the the pitching acquisitions you did make, who were you hoping they would target over the winter? Like, what were a couple of names you were kind of hoping they might hone in on? Um, to be honest, if I said Justin Wilson, I'd be lying. I mean, I, that's my, been my favorite pickup so far this winter, really? but I definitely didn't have him on my radar because it shores up our pen. Um. Besides that, not really that many. I mean, I guess if anything, I wasn't too crazy about Bauer, but I, I would have taken him. But I wasn't really like super hardcore hoping for him because the team, you know how it is. Once you're, if you're good enough to get to the tournament, the tournament, meaning the postseason, can be a crapshoot. So the Yankees have the tools to get there, and especially if everyone is healthy. So with that being said, there wasn't anyone this offseason that was available that I was like, you know, praying for every night that they would sign because I don't know how much anyone would have necessarily moved the needle as far as taking them from a 90, 92 or 95 plus win team to a World Series winning team. You know what I mean? That any team that wins 95 games, they can win a World Series, but it's all about who's hot and who's not during that, what, three week, four week tournament. So, yeah, it's really my, that's my non answer, I guess. <laughs> The Royals won the uh, – no, actually, they made it to the World Series with 84 wins. So uh, the bar doesn't have to exactly. always be super high. But a couple exactly. of I mean, them, look at the Nationals. Yeah. What were they that year? 88, 89, something like that? Something like that. They were like 19 and 31 in the first 50 games. I remember that very well. So yeah. anything can happen. There's no one player that moves the needle too much. Yeah. So a couple of the moves you did make, uh, Corey Kluber. Now, full disclosure, my audience is very familiar with the fact that I wanted no part of Corey Kluber because, you know, the the durability hasn't – he's entering his age 35 season and it's been since his age 32 season that he's had a full season. Do you have any concerns along those lines? Yeah, I mean, uh, of course, it's tough not to. Um there's a lot riding on it and there's a, you know, he's got a lot of pressure on him, which I think that he can obviously handle. I mean, he's been an ace before. So, um, I'm not nervous, but 
no, there's no guarantees. Even if he were coming in here fully healthy, there's no guarantee that he stays healthy throughout the entire season. I mean, if anyone knows that, it's certainly a Yankee fan recently. <laughs> so him having issues with health leading into this doesn't necessarily make him that much of a worry or a shoe in for me because it's like I've seen guys that are young and healthy and vibrant go down for the count for an entire year. So I'm optimistic. I, I feel like that's really all I can be. So it's only one year, 11 million, not too much invested in him. And I, I like the move. I, I do. I like Cashman making a bet on it. Well, I said I wasn't Because cra- if it pays off, it'll pay off big. It could. I mean, the upside is immense. I mean, he was a beast, you know, a handful of postseasons ago, got into game seven that year. But as I said, I wasn't a fan of the Red Sox possibly pursuing him. Like 48 hours later, they get a guy who's pitched 76 innings uh, since 2016. So Garrett Richards. So I don't know anything about injury concerns. Uh, another guy, and I haven't really seen a ton of him. And on paper, it doesn't look like the sexiest of acquisitions. But you did get Jamison Tyon from the Pittsburgh Pirates. How did you feel about that once that trade went through? That one I'm pretty excited about. I mean, any pitcher from the Pirates that the Rays are also in on, I feel like is a pretty good bet. Not saying that the Yankees can necessarily do the same magic that they've done in Tampa, but that makes me feel optimistic. And he's, you know, younger than Kluber. And I, like I said before, injuries, especially nowadays, especially with pitchers, it's not too much of a red flag to me because, I mean, there are very few pitchers that make it through their entire career at this point without Tommy John surgery. So, again, it's it's a bet. It's a gamble. It's a gamble. You know, it could blow up in the Yankees' face, but I think that it could also work out. And at this point, they needed someone to fill in. They need people to fill in those gaps, especially until Severino comes back. And once that happens, it'll be a little different when you can bump guys like Kluber and guys like Tyon down in the pitching rotation a little bit because Severino settle in right behind Cole, you imagine. So we'll just have to see. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I'm not great at, like, uh, assessing pitchers. I can look at their stats and I can look at what they've done in the past. And uh, I just really lean on guys like uh, my friend, Max Greenfield, who's a, an expert in, in this sort of thing. So I really take opinions like his and uh, I trust them because I couldn't look at film from Tyon from a few years ago to be like, Oh yeah, he's going to be great. So hopefully he's good. That's what people are telling me. Yeah. I mean, he's, I hope for. he's going from one of the small markets to one of the biggest markets. So it, it's, and we, we've seen guys struggle with that in Boston and you guys, obviously the, the sunny gray experience didn't, didn't go well, uh, you know, in that instance. So, um, so, you know, we've both seen, he's, he's good friends with Cole. So hopefully that helps him. Like, I mean, being good friends with like the top dog, I'm sure would help helps with the nerves a little bit. Well, that, that's an excellent point because, yeah, Cole did uh, come from Pittsburgh. Uh, let's see. You you have gotten into kind of the injury territory already with Clark Schmidt. What, what do you know about his situation? And could he? is there still a scenario in which he could come up? Um, To be honest, I don't think that he was going to see too much. I don't think that he was going to like – I still think they were going to manipulate his time this year is basically what I'm trying to say that I don't think that he was just going to automatically be on the roster from opening day forward. 
So I don't think it necessarily messes with their plans too much. So, but I'm not sure because you still have Davy Garcia. So I feel like the two of them were going to share some time going back and forth. And now he's going to be out, I think, at least a few weeks. I'm not sure the extent of his injury, but them shutting him down that quickly and that early makes it seem like, you know what, if it's nothing serious, then clearly he wasn't in the cards of the plan for this year. You know what I mean? That they're just shutting down because they were only going to give him a X amount of innings anyway. So might as well just see what happens with everyone else. And you mentioned Davey Garcia. I kind of, does he project out as a starter, do you think? Or do you think where his velo kind of tops out in the low 90s, do you think the bullpen is ultimately, you know, where he'll be better suited? Um, I think that he will be a starter because I don't think he, um, I don't know if his K percentage is high enough. Like, I, I don't know if he's a big strikeout guy. So with that being said, I don't know if I really want him in the pen. You know, I you want guys to be able to come into a volatile inning with runners on and just blow past the batters. You don't want them to let guys put the ball in play. So I don't think that he's really made for the pen at this point. I mean, I saw, you're going to hate this. I saw people making some comparisons to Pedro Martinez, which <laughs> that's quite a, uh, that's putting a lot of weight on that kid's shoulders right out the gate. But I, I I could be wrong, but I don't see him in the pen, especially the way that the Yankees pen is built. Okay. I I just felt like guys might have been sitting on his his fastball, um, you know, a, a little too much. And I, I think the Red Sox might have gotten to him in, in a late season start. And then they only gave him that one inning, you know, in the playoffs with that Jay Happ thing, which uh, we'll get to Boone in a second. But, I mean, that could have been brilliant. Really, you know, as it was happening and 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 Hap was was pretty stout, you know, several appearances leading up to that. So I, I totally got it. And it, unfortunately, it didn't work. So it's easy to it's easy to roast uh, whether it was Boone or, or the, you know, analytics guys that concocted that plan. But uh, but yeah, so I mean, he just got that one inning and I hope for you guys' sake, he doesn't end up like Henry Owens did with the Red Sox. Owens was one of our top prospects, was mowing everybody down in double A. But, you know, like Garcia, his fastball sat around 90, 91, and just it was it was over pretty quick. So, um, but that, that's why I was curious to see if the bullpen might might possibly be an option. It could. You know, like I said, same thing about uh, – like, especially um, prospects, I'm not too much of like a, a prospects fan. So I, I just, I don't think, I think he's been basically groomed to be a starter. I don't think they've been working on him to come out of the pen. So, you know, I mean, maybe if he doesn't work out, you know how it is. These guys come out of the minors and if they don't work out as starters, then they do like the last hurrah and the Hail Mary and hopefully that they'll work out in the bullpen and then that's like the the road of like the pitcher that just doesn't work out. So hopefully we don't see him in the bullpen because that's the only scenario I can really see that as some sort of Hail Mary. Let's hope this guy can do something. Yeah, and your bullpen is pretty deep. I mean, you, you got Chapman and Britton back. Uh, Green has been really good in long relief. Louisa guy, you picked up Darren O'Day, which could be a sneaky good acquisition. He's got that submarine-style delivery. Um We've got a guy, Austin Bryce, that, you know, has a similar delivery. But 
uh, got knocked around a little bit. But we've had Brad Ziegler in the past, and just when you can throw a guy in there to just disrupt the uh, the rhythm, you know, I, I think that exactly. could be good. And yeah. what but what's interesting about O'Day, and I, as of like a few days ago, he hadn't been added to the roster yet. So there were some rumblings that, you know, oh, is Cashman going to flip him to try to bring someone else here? But I don't I don't think that's it. I mean, Darren O'Day is like a like 35, 36 year old at this point. So I can't imagine he'd be that attractive of a trade piece. But who knows? Yeah, well, you just Cashman is thinking you just got Wilson. So maybe, you know, you could be on to something. But but with with the Red Sox, they've. We've known that they've signed Marwin Gonzalez, but it only, you know, he was only officially added uh, yesterday. So sometimes it's just a matter of deciding, you know, who who you have to uh, DFA or whatever. All right. So, and Justin Wilson is great that they got rid of Canley since Canley's now in in LA. They needed someone else to help green out a little bit. So I, I like, I like Wilson. I like that. That shores up our pen. It makes me feel good about it, especially uh, since we're not sure about the pitching rotation. So that pen needs to be solid. Right. Yeah. It, it seems like it seems like bullpen is Cashman's thing. <laughs> he just I feel like I I feel like he kind of overcompensates, to, to be honest with you. But um, let's get into Aaron Boone. Were you surprised the Yankees hung on to him? I mean, because Cashman, yeah, no, no, Aaron Boone. Like, were oh, Aaron were, Boone? Were you surprised they brought him back? Because it, it was like they had an out. If they wanted to move on from him, they could have. And I think his contract did expire following uh, the previous season. But it almost immediately it, it became known that that Cashman was going to bring him back. Did that surprise you at all? No, I mean, I would have been surprised if they got rid of him and brought someone else in because. The team has been good. You know, the Yankees have that record of like having the most seasons in a row of over 500. So they're always kind of competitive and they've been competitive the last few years, but they're playing with house money basically because they had weren't, they were approaching the window. So he was hired as they were gearing up and obviously picking up Cole was the indicator. That's like, okay, this young squad is ready. We got Stanton. Now we've signed Cole. We've got a few pieces, so now we're going to make the push. So I think firing him before now would have wouldn't have made any sense because they weren't. I don't want to say they weren't trying to win a World Series in the previous years. Obviously, that's the goal every year, but you know how it is that they build up to something that they're not always trying to compete. They're trying to build towards uh, a team that's able to stay competitive for a while. So considering that they did really well in 2017 and they did, you know, made the playoffs in 2018, they made the playoffs every year that that was just, that was house money. They weren't expecting them to go further. So I think that if they fired them, it would have been like, why, what did he do wrong? He was able to lead this team to be really good and a competitive division and give teams like the Astros and these other teams that run for their money in the playoffs. And they weren't even, ready for their run they didn't even have all of the pieces yet so i think that he obviously gets along well with the players they like him they respond to him as a manager because they play well for him so maybe this year if it doesn't work out then you could see a change but i would have been shocked if they got rid of him before now wouldn't it be a lot more fun watching phil nevin manage the team (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, just him fucking. He has. Sorry, am I allowed to curse? It's, you can. Yeah, it's fine. I don't edit, but I should have asked. We, we have an explicit tag, so we're, it's it's fine. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, he yeah, would get ejected a million times, but <laughs> just temper. hoping to get fired. He's like, maybe <laughs> if I get ejected again, they'll fire me and put me back as a coach. Yeah, I would be really entertained by that, but you know, but. <laughs> Boone did have the whole savages thing, so that was that was fun to watch. Yeah, all right. So I was just I know he can be a little bit of a lightning rod amongst the fan base, so I was just kinda wondering where, where you stood on him. Well, if I can be honest, I think that people give the managers way too much credit. Like the managers are a figurehead. I mean, not that they don't do anything, not that they don't make decisions, they do, but it's not like this isn't 1920. You know what I mean? The manager isn't the the only guy that's making all these decisions that this is Cashman makes the decisions with Boone. They build these, the lineups together, whatever. So when people are coming down on Boone, it's like, how much control do you think he has? Like, this isn't like a little league team where he has to like, make sure that the guy at first can catch. He's here with a bunch of professionals and he's just there to manage the club, the clubhouse, make sure that these guys are happy and healthy. And that, he's like a babysitter almost. I, I don't mean to like boil it down to that, but I I feel like people put way too much stock into the managers these days and they put too much blame on them when things, when the season doesn't turn out the way that they want it to. Well, you know, you kind of, you kind of touched on something. So let me get your thoughts on this. Um, you, we saw in the, in the world series when, when Snell got taken out, you know, he was dealing, they took him out because the, you know, the analytics suggested that 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 was the move at the time. And you're touching on Boone, you know, kind of collaborating with, you know, the front office, the analytics and whatever. Do you like that type of a structure or would you rather the manager kind of have, you know, the most say or the most authority? Um, I, I like the decisions to be made using all the information that they have available to them. So, I, cause I can't really say, you know, if Cashman is the one that's got, you know, more control, obviously he's the boss, but who knows how much he takes Boone's opinion into account. So because I don't know those dynamics, all I can say is that I just want them to use all the information they have available. And if the only way to make sure that that happens now, while we're in this transition of like, still with the old school, with the new school mixing together. If it has to be done because the GM is stepping in and, and involving himself in the process and forcing the manager to look at more information, then yeah, I'm okay with it because I don't trust any man, any manager without any, just their gut all the time. I don't trust it because just like you're saying before with the move with Davey Garcia for one inning and then pulling in half that you didn't necessarily dislike it because in baseball, if a decision turns out well, or if the, the good thing happens, everyone th says it was a good decision, but that doesn't necessarily mean it was a good decision because luck can have a lot to do with these things. So because of that, I like them using as much info as they can as far as the sample size and what guys are predicted to do because of what they've done over the course of a large sample size in the past. And does it always turn out to be the right decision? No, but I think that it's the most informed decision and that's what I'm looking for in a manager, even if he disagrees with it on some old school level. All right. Um, now kind of shifting a little bit, um, 
I've been a huge critic of Cashman, and I know that's easy because I'm a Red Sox fan. Um, but 2020, I mean, you kind of have to say it was a disappointment. Losing to uh, the Rays, tiny payroll. I started seeing some chirps, you know, and I think every fan base has hashtag fire their manager. So it's not like it's not unique to anyone, but how much pressure is he under going forward? Um, who Cashman or Boone? A Cashman at this point. Cashman. Sorry. Um, I don't really think he's under that much pressure. I think that Hal um, defers to him most likely. I mean, again, this is me taking a guess. I don't know Hal at all, so I can't really say for sure. But I think that it's clear that Cashman is very well respected in the organization. And he was there before Hal was there. And he was hired by Hal's dad, who they all revere. So I think that um, I think his job is probably safe until he doesn't want it anymore. I think that he's set a, a good enough reputation that he's able to win and build teams even when the team should stink. They still win. And as far as, yeah, people say, oh, World Series are bust, but that's not realistic. They're not going to win a World Series every year. So I think to stay competitive every year and still win a couple, obviously we've had a little bit of a drought, but I think that things are going to turn around. I think that Cole is going to end his contract with a, another, at least one trophy. And I think Cashman will be there to see every single year. He's got a ways to go. Was that that was a nine year deal? I think. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, nine. Basically, this whole uh, decade. All right. So another hot topic throughout the week, and this was a sizzling hot topic for you guys. Zach Breton made some comments about Domingo Herman. Can't always choose your teammates. An intense debate kind of ensued over whether or not he should just be straight up released. What are your thoughts? Um, I mean, first of all, I loved Britain being honest. I, I think that uh, more players should be honest. I think you know, I, as far as like the clubhouse BS, you know, rocking the boat in the clubhouse. I, I mean, her mom is the one that made the decision to abuse his wife or his girlfriend so it's like once someone does that especially in the presence of their colleagues like he did any sort of like keep this in-house is now completely off the table so i i respect britain a lot i've always liked him and now i like him even more uh i would obviously like to see the yankees release herman i would also like to see the yankees release chapman i think that a team like the yankees uh that cares so much about their image should care a little bit more about the sort of people that they employ and they give uh, hundreds of thousands or in Chapman's case, millions of dollars to, but there is also an aspect of uh, the second chances thing where if these guys go to intense therapy and they are remorseful and they really want to change because in the, the reality is he's a young guy. So I'm not gonna, Am I going to stop watching the Yankees because they didn't show her mom the door? No, I'm not. Do I think they should have? Yes. I mean, he literally slapped his girlfriend across the face at an event a CC Sabathia uh, fundraiser in front of all of his colleagues. So I can only imagine what happens behind closed doors. So I think to, uh, to give that guy a second chance um, is a proverbial slap in the face to their female fans. Yeah. You know, I, I don't take that lightly. Um, 
my youngest brother, you know, I, I've been fairly open about this, is probably going to be locked up for a while on, on DV-related stuff, and, and he should be. Uh, you know, so even with my own family, you know, I'm critical about it. Um, with Chapman, Herman, I mean, I don't have strong feelings one way or the other. I mean, I think... You know, it's it's a it's a tough situation, especially in the last you know handful of years. But I, I'm of the opinion that you know they they should get a second chance, and if it happens again, whether Manfred implements anything or not, I think their career is over. Like they're not going to be touched, you know, because of the optics of yeah. it. And so, but you know, if if the Yankees got rid of them, and and I were a Yankees fan, I, I wouldn't. You know, I certainly wouldn't, um, you know, criticize a move like that. We had a similar situation with Stephen Wright, but, I mean, he was at the end of his career. Injuries basically were going to end his career anyway. So we've been fortunate, you know, to not have uh, something like that happen, uh, you know, on our side of the fence. But inevitably, you know, it's it's probably going to happen to everyone at some point. But... Uh, but it does look like at this point he is there to stay. Uh, things seem to be. Yeah, down. I mean, I think that he's clearly was part of the plan. So whether you know the details emerged recently, and that's why it's now back in the news cycle. But Yankees knew the details because it happened, like I said, at that event. So the t- team already knew, and he wasn't let go last. You know when the incident happened, so. Uh, there was no reason to think that it would happen now. I mean, these teams have made it clear there, there's basically no amount of public pressure that can make these teams do anything. You know, they do right. things for lip service. They'll they'll dangle the keys to distract some nice thing, some donation. But at the end of the day, they're going to do whatever's going to make them more money. And he's cheap talent. And he was part of their plan. They, their offseason plan was built around what they already have. And he was one of those pieces. So I think that he's weren't going to pivot on that because they are in their championship window and it's sick that that's what it comes down to, but it's capitalism. Am I right? The almighty dollar. Yeah. And and he's cheap too, you know, compared to some of your higher end guys. And he did have a very stout, I think it was what 2019 leading up to the suspension. Um, you know, which kind of surprised me. I, I didn't think he was, uh, you know, going to be much more than just a, a spot starter, you know, a, a back end of the, you know, rotation type guy. All right. So that's let's... the thing that's frustrating about it. Sorry, real quick. No, no, that, yeah, go ahead. It's not like, and not like it would make it at, if Cole slapped his wife, I would not be sitting here like, well, he's our ace. So they have to put up with it. That's not what I mean when I'm about to say this, but it's not even like Herman is some like whiz kid. He's going to be like a fucking fourth starter on this team. So for the Yankees, he'd be like, he deserves a second chance. It's like, why? Just bring in someone else. But whatever. I get it. I, I guess I get it. I don't like it, but <laughs> I, I understand. Well, I mean, if he sucks, you know, it'll be a much easier decision, you know, to just. Simply. Then they can act all altruistic. Like that's why they did it. <laughs> we knew like, that he was a scumbag. That's why we're getting rid of him. We thought long and hard about it. Yeah, yeah, I could see. <laughs> yeah, exactly, I could see that. 
All right, so just kind of uh, getting uh, much further into the year, uh, the playoff format is going to revert back to the uh, the regular format, if you will, five teams on each side. As a baseball fan, do you prefer that, or did you like the expanded format that they used last year? I Last year was different than any other year. Um, so I loved it last year. One, because now in hindsight, my team wasn't a casualty of that ridiculous three-game series. So it's easy for me to say that I loved it because they didn't get bounced by some shady team. But after not having baseball for you know a few months when we should have, and because none of us did anything, I was sitting in my apartment for months. It was exciting. It was something different. It, it, it brought some life into a year that was otherwise um, really lousy. But I, I like it in 2020 only. Moving forward, um, I think that it de-incentivizes teams to spend money because if you can, if now three teams in the division can make the playoffs, and what's the incentive to try to spend on players and and become a 90 plus win team when you're just going to be able to limp in and possibly make it into the further rounds because any of these teams can lose on any or win on any given day. So moving forward, I don't like it especially because I don't want my team to lose to like the division, you know, the uh, central teams, number three team, because they're playing some BS three game series. So it it was good for 2020, but I'm happy that they're not doing that moving forward. Yeah. Three game series are bullshit. It it eliminates a lot of races. And I think it just kind of, it's just too diluted. I think it cheapens the product and, you know, and it makes I mean, the 162 game season pointless. Just go back to the previous couple of years. I mean, 2019, we knew by the month of May it was going to be Yankees Astros as the final two. You know, so I don't, I don't know that Kansas City squeaking into the eighth seed really excites that fan base. They, they know what's coming. You know, and. So I'm just kind of, I'm glad the union got their way. I I don't, I'll I'll be curious to see what it looks like beyond the, um, you know, the new collective bargaining agreement, but World Series matchup, most rosters are set. There's not really too many impactful people left. So I think we do kind of have a sense of who's good, who's not, who you going with. I want Dodgers Yankees. I want it. <laughs> well, Manfred wants I can that. See it. It's the two biggest. Uh, it's the two biggest markets. So you know, I think that's the dream yeah. uh, scenario. What about the White and Sox? Dodger fans talk a lot of shit. Yeah. Do you guys have a rivalry yet? Like, is is there back I mean, and forth? Every team thinks they have a rivalry with the Yankees. That's the thing. When the Yankees are good, okay. every team wants to beat them. So okay. Dodgers fans think it's a rivalry. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. I and I mean as Red Sox fans, we don't really have a, a front row seat to how you guys interact, but I mean the American League is is trash. It really is. The yeah. White Sox on paper look really good, but they're the White Sox and they have a way of just blowing up by early summer and the whole um, Tony Larusa thing is going to be 
Interesting. <laughs> I know they like they brought him back from the dead to manage. So manage like a young, exciting team. I don't know how that's going to work out. I don't see Tim Anderson and Larusa. That's like that's the the dynamic that has to be solid from the get go. If there's chemistry there and there's respect and a good rapport, I feel like Larusa can can win these guys over. And he was a good manager. He was always regarded as a as a good manager. Got a World Series with Oakland in the late '80s. Won two more with with St. Louis, including in what up until now was his final season. So, a good, competent guy. But I mean, he's 76, and or maybe even 77 at this point, and just kind of defies the the young trend. But I'm rooting, I'm rooting for him. Like I want it to work. But you know, we saw what happened with Bobby Valentine. You know, eight years ago, nine years ago, actually. Uh, and that blew up. So uh, it's going to be interesting. But, I mean, they seem to be the Yankees' biggest threat, uh, you know, going yeah. forward. The the Rays, too, I mean, I think a lot of people are discounting them. But they brought in Michael Waka. So I'm curious to see what he can do on their program. Um, because if anybody's going to turn their career around, it, it would be with a team like the Rays. And then they brought Archer back. And they got Rich Hill. So I just I just have this sneaky feeling they're going to somehow win 87 games or something and be, I think so too. I think they're going to be annoying. Yeah. For sure. And their their bullpen's going to be good and I don't know how many times they just bring someone up from double A and I'm like, "Oh, you know, we'll tattoo that guy and we get completely shut down." Um so yeah. Yeah, I, the Rays have made me a now afraid of people that I don't know their name players. I, same thing. I used to be like, oh, who's this guy? He was a scrub. Now I'm like, who is this? Yeah. I'm like, great. I've never heard of him. We're we're screwed. Um yeah. <laughs> They're just it's just unbelievable how they develop pitching. Cleveland does the same thing. You know, who saw the Bieber thing come in and that Zach Plesak kid, I know he got in trouble with the COVID thing, but I, I think he's gonna be a top of the rotation guy and and I wouldn't be surprised if the Indians somehow beat the White Sox and the Twins. I just wouldn't be shocked. Get rid of Lindor, Carrasco. I mean, can we talk about how shitty the Central is? It's pretty bad. The Central in general. Yeah. Horrible. Both leagues. Yeah, exactly. Horrible. I think the um I think St. Louis for sure, after the, the Arenado deal, will probably uh win that easily. The the Reds on paper don't look terrible though. I mean, if Gray and Castillo have a good year. You know, I could kind of see them, uh, you know, being a pain in the ass at the very least. But Brewers, too. I think they're always kind of in it. I feel like everyone in that division is in it. Everyone finishes with like 80-something wins, and it's a really ugly dogfight until the end. Just these like kind of shitty teams fighting it out. Yeah. Watch. Now the Yankees are going to lose to like one of these teams because I've been talking so much shit about the Central. You know, it's interesting. You bring up the Brewers, and I'm kind of a Brewers fan. I mean, they're kind of like the Rays of the, um, you know, National League. Um, but Craig Council, I think he's a top three or four manager. the The way he gets so much value out of that pitching, his his bullpen moves are perfect. And if Boone's on the hot seat, that's the guy I think New York needs to be looking at is Council. Like that, that would make me nervous <laughs> as a Sox but, fan. But do you think that the Brewers are going to get rid of him? 
Well, it depends on when the contract is up. I and I don't have those details, but he's he's basically a Joe Madden type guy without the personality on steroids. You know what I mean? <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I guess I wouldn't mind that. He's he's done a pretty good job over there, so I wouldn't mind seeing that trade. Yeah, I wish they could trade managers like that. That'd be awesome. Well, the Red Sox you could like throw a manager into a deal with other players. We had to trade for John Farrell, believe it or not. He he had what? Wait, what? Yeah, he had one year left, or maybe it was two years left with the Blue Jays. So we traded Mike Avilas for John Farrell. That's how that whole thing went down. And I was I was a huge proponent of bringing in Farrell. I thought it was going to be an extension of the Francona era and. And, you know, we won a World Series, so we didn't realize how stupid he was until, you know, about early 2015. And it was just so insane. I shit you not, Prince Fielder was on first base. And it was a meaningless game against Texas in like the month of June. But Fielder's on first. Farrell has the outfield in. And Josh Hamilton hits a blooper over the center fielder, and Cruz, uh, not Cruz, Prince Fielder scores from first base. From first base. <laughs> Big fat. Yeah, why? Like, like, yeah, you guys got to bring him in. You got wheels on first. That Prince was, Fielder. Yeah. Jesus. That was my, like, our manager's a dumbass moment. And he had that one game against the Yankees. I don't know if you remember this, where he tried to, he tried to replace a pitcher mid-count. Like it was like two balls, no strikes, and he started to come out to the mound, but it wasn't allowed because he had already made a mound visit that inning or that at bat. I forget how it went, and it was like a pants on the ground moment. He kind of had this embarrassed look on his face and walked in. I think that was the season we finally got rid of him. But yeah, that's you notice the that's like e- over definition of overmanaging him just doing all these things that he's like, this is what a good manager would do, so I'm gonna do these things. <laughs> He was so bad. I just, yeah. If you notice, the email I emailed you from was the Fire Feral podcast. That that was the original name of of this show. So, it's, dude, you changed the name. What's the name now? The bastards. Isn't it? It's not. It's not. The bastards. The bastards of Boston, of Boston baseball. Yeah, yeah. So that's a good one. I like that. I like that one better than the last one. Yeah. I thought it'd be cool ten years from now to still have the Benny and the Bets podcast. I just think it it'd be it's like a cool rock and roll type thing, you know that that would stand the test of time. But you know, Mookie's winning championships with other teams now, and Benny, I think, got traded right after. But but yeah, but we're gonna we're just gonna keep this one, and it's it's marketable, and most people think I'm a bastard anyway, so um, <laughs> it fits, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, uh, that's about all I have. So I, I appreciate you coming on and maybe we'll come up with another excuse at some point in the season. And um, you can throw it in my face if you guys are running away with it and or whatever <laughs> it works out. I have the Red Sox as a 78 win team. So that's uh, my official uh, projection. I think we I've got. Yeah, this... I'm not going to punch down this year. <laughs> yeah. Out of, out of the five of us, I think one guy has has them worse than us. Charlie Smith, I think, has him winning sixty something. <laughs> but yeah, Ugh. 
So for the listening audience, I uh, hope you enjoyed it. We'll probably find a reason to come on this weekend if anything develops. And uh, it could be tomorrow if something develops. So whenever that does happen, we'll be back to cover it. And we are, what, just over four weeks out from a normal opening day. So take care. <laughs>